This is Point of View, a podcast exploring today's digital landscape through a critical lens. Each episode, Gil Rosen, our Chief Marketing Officer at Amdocs, will interview leading authors, entrepreneurs, and experts to help listeners view the online world from a different vantage point and demystify some of your most burning questions. We're discussing everything from fast fashion to the psychology of the internet, underscoring it all with a forward-thinking perspective. Are you ready for the future? Let's get digital. The pandemic has fundamentally altered so many aspects of our lives. It's changed the way we interact with one another, the way we consume content, and especially the way we work. In this episode, Gil sits down with architect, futurist, and thought leader, Nikki Greenberg. Nikki is the founder of Real Estate for the Future, a firm that helps companies future-proof their real estate, increase profitability, and pilot innovative new models. Listen in as Gil and Nikki give us a glimpse into the future of real estate and what we can expect to see for the years following the pandemic. She shares her perspective on the merging of cyberspace and real space, plus the evolution of design. Here's their discussion. So let me let, let me get started by actually reflecting on something that I see unfolding in front of my eyes. In front of my office, about two years ago, they started development for what looks like is going to be a, a huge skyscraper. And as uh, time went by and I watched them and I actually do some even time lapses of them digging and then the foundations and then Corona came and I'm thinking... Hasn't everything changed? This is going to be like, I don't know, a 50-story, 100-story building. Do they have to completely rethink what this thing is about? Yeah, look, that's that's a tough one. And it's a good it's a good place to start because it's one of these issues that a lot of, you know, what we call class A commercial operators or building owners have been thinking about all around the world. You know, big companies aren't necessarily renewing their leases. And the question about, well, do we need to go back into the CBD and have an office over there has just really come front of mind. So, but, you know, one of the things that I will say is that, and this is what I'm a believer in, is that the way we need to start thinking about all these spaces is thinking about how we can make them adaptable and be able to repurpose them for the types of functions that we need. So, for example, why does an office building need to just have offices in it? You know, can it have childcare? Can it have residences? Can it have schools? You know, what are the needs that we have to, um, you know, to put into these buildings? And can we actually retrofit these buildings to accommodate what people are actually looking for at the moment? So, you know, what we've started thinking about as traditional offices, it's just been completely changed in COVID because, so many people are working from home. Not everyone's working from the office. And I'm going to point out a few things because I'm actually sitting in an office space at the moment. But some of like the very traditional conceptions around, you know, what is an office? What is a workplace? What is work? How do we work? Some of these things have changed. And what we need to do is just like have a mindset of going, well, hold on a sec. Do we need a space to serve one function? the same way that we've done it in our homes that suddenly our homes have become gyms or restaurants or childcare facilities or schools etc and our offices do the same thing but let let me ask you because real estate is actually very Mm -hmm. physical right and when that construction started just as an example 
And I have another one, by the way, because my, my company is actually moving into a future campus, what we call the future campus. And we also started with a specific design and now we're changing it with real estate. We are, you know, uh, the globus is cities are filled with existing buildings. And you see an existing skyscraper all of a sudden being a school, a home, an office. I mean, they were not designed for that. I can see future buildings being designed in a better way. But what do we do with everything that already exists? Really what it comes down to is, you know, back in the 20s, you had architects like Le Corbusier. And what they did is they actually thought about buildings as machines. And they had this concept of vertical city where you could actually like have functions, you know, built upon each other. So you might have, you know, retail in the bottom, you might have, you know, hotels, you might have residential, you might have commercial and so on and so forth. So this kind of notion of a um, of a mix of a truly mixed use vertical building isn't actually something new, but yeah, there are some caveats. So it, it depends on the use that you're going to put in. When I look at the, the impact of COVID, I think many times, and I'm, I'm actually talking about about it from a perspective of somebody who's been dealing in tech all his life, and. Actually, the biggest leap we made was a psychological leap and not a technological leap, because in a very short amount of time, everybody had a reset on how things should be done. So let's say I'm working two days at home and three days in the office. That means that out of a week that I used to be away from my home and neighborhood, five days, 12 hours, uh, 12 hours a day, all of a sudden I spend more time in my neighborhood and I have this theory, and tell me, you know, if it's in the right direction, that actually neighborhoods will change. I think instead of having mega WeWorks, we will have micro WeWorks. How do you see the impact of COVID cascading into how maybe even neighborhoods will change and how they accommodate for now the people who are staying at home? You know, we used to refer to this concept of the third place, that it's, no, it's not work, it's not the office, it's somewhere else. So, you know, now is, you know, can this like third place, whether it's, you know, whether it's your gym, whether it's your, you know, your church or your synagogue, or if it's your coffee shop, can that now be the space that you're starting to spend most of your time? And if so, then if we know that it's now going to like serve a function where people actually work, then how can that space now accommodate this new function that's coming into it? I mean, I'm not saying anything revolutionary here when we all know that Starbucks has been know, this international symbol of, you know, entrepreneurs coming in with their MacBooks and their headphones on and sitting there all day doing their, their best work rather than having an office. So this isn't something that's new. But, you know, in terms of having, um, you know, different, um, different types of providers, you know, whether it's a restaurant or a cafe or something else, you know, I personally know some very smart and entrepreneurial people that are actually working on solutions that can say, well, hold on a sec, if you need somewhere to work and you want somewhere in your neighborhood, you know, why can't you have almost like, you know, almost like a city bike where you pull up an app and see, you know, what spaces are around you and book a desk? Because at the end of the day, as long as there's Wi-Fi or there's somewhere to charge and there's somewhere to sit comfortably, why shouldn't you be able to just, you know, pop into a vacant space? I think I heard you also, I think, talk about uh, the, you know, Gen Zs and how they're changing things, right? Mm. And again, I, I'm, I'm reflecting on, whether this, you know, the, the millions of years of evolution can actually be like completely taken over by 10 years. Gen Z is like 10, 20 years of, you know, living or being born in a digital age and completely losing the, the need for a personal identity in a space. 
if you take that, let's take five years forward, and you don't have to give away any trade secrets. What do you think are the big trends people should be looking at that are exciting relating to real estate and how technology is being converged into it and the interesting things that will happen that actually make your day job fun, I hope? So firstly, and something I'd like to point out is like, yes, I am waving my arms around because the lights (laughs) here do keep turning off periodically. I think the first thing we have to realize is that the spaces that we knew don't serve us anymore in this new reality. You know, when somebody designed this meeting room, for example, they thought that, oh, what we need to be thinking about is energy use. But what they didn't actually think about is that somebody's going to be sitting here motionless for you know, a half hour, 45 minutes. Yeah. And actually recording. Yeah. Um, you know, whether whether we were recording or whether we were on a Zoom call, it would be the same kind of ridiculousness of me needing to make a motion. So this is something new that's come into the space. You know, something else that we're also seeing when we look at the office that we weren't thinking about is acoustics because what's happening now, again, is that everybody's on these Zoom calls, which are still meetings, and people need privacy, and yet they're in a pub, you know, and yet they're in an open space having to have a private meeting, and it ends up sounding like a call centre. So the trends have changed, going from this kind of like industrial aesthetic, you know, this kind of like cool, you know, beer on tap, It's not what people need anymore, but that's not something that's been around for that long. It's something that's been around for about five years, you know, really getting into like the co-working and flexible space. It's pretty new. So, but it's kind of already had its day because it's not ready for this hybrid way of working. I never thought of that. That's super interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is my insights from being back in a workplace and like beautiful workplaces, um, you know, these past few months, just realizing that there's things that need to adapt. So, yeah. So when we start talking about, well, what, you know, what are the next five years going to look like? Firstly, we don't know because so much has happened just in the last 12 months and so much has happened in the past five years and more is going to happen. But One of the trends that I do think is going to happen is that there is going to be this greater desire for even more flexibility and not being tied down or locked in in the same way that that we we used to be. Um, You know, there's become this expectation that, you know, everything is on demand. You know, I love this expression that somebody said to me once about, you know, millennials and Gen Z. They said that, you know, it's all about Instagrat you know, instant gratification that something's, you know, available like right now, you know, from this like Instagrammable moments that everything's like amazing and, you know, it's, and it's immediate. We're not going to like sit around and wait for something. If you're not able to get something right now when you want it and the way that you want it, and this is what's happening with space as well, because there's so many different providers that are coming in and there's so many, you know, smart people coming up with different solutions that if something doesn't work for you, straight away you're going to go, you know what, I don't want to go into the office. That's that's not crazy anymore. But we need like this infrastructure that's going to support it. I'm still trying to figure out the connection to psychology because for me, and I, you know, I, I, I work in a very large company, 30,000 people, roughly 80 countries, and there's a lot of teamwork. And I also manage quite a few people. And part of that interaction is also about kind of very casual and intuitive navigation, right? What do I mean by that? People know that at certain times during the day, during the week, they can most likely find me in a certain location, right? 
by the fact that they just walk in into my office or ask me if they can come up to my office, etc. With me being completely mobile, they're kind of losing touch of this. I would say it's a very basic human, I think, again, kind of behavior to to roam and to meet in a unexpected or unplanned ways. And, and I think what digitization is doing is making everything very precise, right? Let's meet at, mm-hmm. like we are right now. And it, it nothing, yeah. and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm just w- wondering what the balance will be. Currently, I have to tell you in my, in my company, we're kind of, we're, we're gravitating towards three days of uh, work uh, from the office and even trying to enforce it where possible to kind of make people see each other, work together, be together in, 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 the, in the coffee shop, in the corridor, unplanned. In two days, people, you know, need their flex, their new flex time. You know, and, and then I think about the fact that current, the current technology like Zoom, it was there before, right? It wasn't really planned for 12 hours a day. I think it wasn't really planned for collaboration. I think if you go into one of the, I don't want to say any, you know, bad things about some of the softwares, but they have this like, they have this like thing in one of those softwares, they, they call it together mode, and which is like a, it's like a funny way of looking at the screen and seeing everybody together and not in the squares. But it's, you know, it's kind of, it's lame. It, it's not really effective. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, when, when we get into AR, augmented reality, virtual reality, holograms, maybe then things can start to get interesting. Is that something you're looking at? I'm with you. There's a lot to be said about being in front of people and being able to, you know, meet and collaborate. And I think one of the things that having Zoom and these digital tools has allowed us to do is actually collaborate across geography. And I know there was an article about, you know, frog design, and they were talking about how that was like one of the great attributes that came out of the came out of it is that their teams could work more globally and get insights from people who didn't matter where they were. But at the end of the day, they realize, well, yeah, we actually need people to get together in person so that we can, you know, co-create. So the whole thing about avatars and AR, I read an article recently about how, um, I think it may have been WeWork actually, how they were coming up with an avatar solution to, you know, kind of create this hybrid work. And I just remember, and I'm going to be rude here, but I just remember rolling my eyes and I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, Avatars is not the problem. You know, the problem is acoustics. You know, the problem is that you Back know, the to basics. workspaces just don't work. The <laughs> yeah. basics, exactly. Avatars aren't the problem. Like, you know, kind of get the basics right. Or even like the WeWork chairs, like I went into some spaces recently. It's all like very hard cafe chairs. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of an oldie. I've got an old back and I'm like, I, I can't sit on something, a, a hard chair for you know, for 10 hours a day, like, yeah. you know, I can't do this. But having said that, I did, when I was in lockdown, uh, my sister was kind enough to get me an Oculus headset. And have you played with the Oculus? or have. Like recent I, um, have. VR? I have. I have. I mean, it, it is phenomenal. And it is so immersive. You know, I couldn't believe, like, you know, I was playing some rec room game and didn't know what I was doing and I, you know, bumped to some kid, some kid. And he's like, oh, what are you trying to do? I'm like, I'm trying to find my sister. And he's like helping me out and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I found my sister. And then it occurs to me, I'm like, hold on a sec. I just spoke to this kid. Like he's in the room with me. I don't know who he is. My brain didn't yeah. differentiate. It didn't think of him as a, it, it thought of him as a person. So I do think that the technology is there. I do think that our brains are there in the way that we actually do see a lot of these avatars 
as real and as a imperfect but somewhat of a substitute for actually in-person interaction. So it, it might come about if we can get around some of the obstacles. I, I wouldn't put it in the like too crazy bucket, but I, I don't think it's something we need today. I think today we kind of need the basics. So let's 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 use that as a jumping board into the future, and that can be mm. twenty years and and beyond. Technology has advanced exponentially. We, we have amazing, you know, everybody has accessible and relatively cheap VR sets or whatever technology will be available. What is the far future for real estate? Where is it going? Because real estate is actually something, you know, when you go into New York, you're seeing buildings that are 100 years old, right? And, and, and more and definitely, you know, in a city like London or even in, in Tel Aviv or in, in Sydney, I'm sure. You know, real estate is there for a long time. Does that mean we'll start to build temporarily because things change and maybe even the, the, the structures and the materials we use will make it easy to tear it down and rebuild? Where is this all going? Oh, my God. It's, again, so many, so many ideas, so many questions in there. Um, and I'll just throw out a few kind of, you know, factoids within there. The average age of a building in New York is 81 years old. So you have to realize that these buildings, they predate the internet, they predate air conditioning, they predate a lot of things. They're actually not designed for, you know, what we do in them today. You know, there's, there are concepts that have been around for a very, very long time. You know, these ideas about, you know, design for deconstruction. Actually, when you're designing a building, thinking about not just how you're putting it together, but how do you dismantle it so that you can reuse the parts. And part of that is modular design. So you actually have a kit of parts that starts clicking together and it can also unclick. Wow. And part of that also is that you're being more efficient. So if you have like one sheet of, you know, building material, you can cut out efficiently, um, you know, each part that you need. So this is these are just basic design principles that have always been around. It doesn't always happen. But when you want to start thinking about, you know, greater sustainability principles for the whole life cycle of a building, so from the design and construction through the use through to when it's decommissioned, that's when you actually want to be thinking about this modularity. Now, I'm a big believer in flexibility and, you know, one of the big things and one of the big statistics that I love mentioning every time I talk to people is that by 2030, 75% of the workforce is actually going to consist of Gen Z and millennials. So Gen Z's obviously they're, you know, they're digital first, they're digital natives. They've never known a world without the internet. So we need to remember that the future employees, the future um, workforce, your future customer, they want a digital first experience. So if you're looking at your kids, your grandkids, your friends, or, you know, whatever it is, depending on, how old you are and the age group that you tend to hang out with, and you start seeing the, the way that they interact with their friends and technology and they're doing everything, everything's on a device. And there's, you know, there's no patience for having to do something manually. So the whole world is heading to this, um, you know, this technology first, um, you know, requirement. So, you know, when we're talking about buildings now, what we need actually is physical spaces that are going to support the functions that happen inside it. So, you know, we need physical realty for the digital reality. We need physical space for cyberspace, right? Because what's happening now is that everything we do is digital. Everything we do is attached to the cloud or to the, you know, the World Wide Web or our phones or our computers or our devices. Everything's connected. And then there's us. And then there's the space that we do it in. 
So what is the optimal way that the space can just kind of help us be connected and comfortable and happy and healthy and convenient? Because space now is not a requirement for doing a job or doing any kind of function. You know, well, our homes became gyms. Some gyms became uh, no COVID testing centres. As the shopping centres became schools, parking lots are becoming ghost kitchens. Now, everything's kind of fuffled around. So, you know, if I kind of talk about the next five or 10 years, what I'd love to see is just more um, embracing of this flexibility and understanding that we should never have an empty space. We should always have spaces that are, you know, alive and energized and just really what the community and the people around there need at that moment. And if that changes, then great, you know, then we'll have something new that kind of works for us. But if people are adaptable, we can move around. So I'd love, that's what I'd love to see is, you know, more, more flexible spaces. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly at conflict, I have to say. You know, I live technology, innovation, and I'm always preaching for the absolute embrace of the maximum possible. While I live in a place which I love because it's a, it's kind of a, it's actually an old place that has character from the past. Mm. And it's, and, and I'm, while you were speaking, I'm thinking, will there ever be in, in the places I like in Tel Aviv or in New York or in London or in Rome or in Paris are not the places that were just finished, where construction just finished, but I like the old city because it has character and it has a hundred years or 200 years of iteration and, and creativity. And in some areas that, you, you know, in some points during your, you know, your description, I was thinking, are we going to lose this very basic and very natural and very beautiful notion of creation over time of character that builds and it's always going to be temporary and changing and, you know, replaced and, 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 and repurposed. And if New York was an empty land today, how will New York look in 50 years? It will not have the skyscraper. It will be like a bunch of buildings that constantly change their function. But will there be any character and beauty and emotion and, uh, you know, like opposing like the east side is not like the west side. It's not like the upper west. It's not like the upper east. It's It's so diverse and and unexpected sometimes that it's not like uh, ordered by the app and it's not available this minute. And part of what you love about it is the fact that, damn it, the street is too narrow, but it's narrow and it's beautiful, right? And, and it has this tree that's 100 years old. And I'm sure humanity and people will want that. So how does this all merge? This is what my, my stomach is turning actually while I, you know, I, I think about it. I'm, I'm with you 100%, and that's that's what makes the best cities in the world amazing is that they continue to evolve, and there's you no know, signs of the time, whether it's a piazza or a clock tower or, a, you know, anything else. I think when we can extend the usefulness of a building or when we can, um, you know, change the use of it also becomes, you know, that's sometimes when it becomes the most interesting I mean, there's great examples of churches that have become apartment blocks, for example, or, you know, there's one in West Hampstead near where my sister lives, which, you know, now is actually a preschool, it's a post office, it's a community centre because, you you know, a house in this beautiful building because that's what was needed at the time. So I think 
you know, I'm I'm a definitely a supporter of um, you know preserving the architectural history of a place. I'm a big believer that we should always you know build for quality. We should build for um, the character of the community of you know like what's happening outside of space. We know what's happening in that street life. We can do that when we create you know quality places. But I think there's also something that's quite beautiful when you do have a little bit of a, you know, dare I say like a mashup, when you do have a warehouse that then becomes a residence because you've got that, you know, that sense of what it was before that tells a story. So, look, so I think I'm on the same page as you. I'm not um, saying that there should be a um, ubiquitousness or a leveling out of what makes an area unique. But I think you're still going to have certain attributes of an area that are going to essentially kind of anchor who lives there just through the physical nature of it. Um, You know, for example, suburbia will be suburbia. You know, people with kids will still need to have outdoor space um, to be able to have them in there. By, you know, by virtue, their needs are going to be of a certain type. They'll want to have schools. They'll want to have sports fields. They'll want to have you know, recreation for their family versus if you go down to the financial district of New York, people are there to, you know, to work, to meet, to, um, you know, to transact. So there's going to be a certain character to what happens there. So I don't I don't think we'll end up with a, a ubiquitousness in different places. I think everywhere is still going to have its own kind of flavour. And if we can find ways, and it's something that we've kind of grappled with, um, you know, for quite some time anyway, we can find ways to include existing buildings and streets and, you know, the communities that live there as part of the conversation instead of just kind of, you know, bulldozing and moving them out. But I think we actually do have a, not just just an opportunity, but we actually do have the power and the technology and most incredible, um, you know, creative, innovative people that are kind of looking to change the world in a certain way and an environment where more people are receptive to kind of thinking outside the box that, you know, maybe things will be quite different in five years' time. Maybe things will be quite different in 12 months' time and, you know, it's yet to be seen. So I'd love to see what comes out of it. Actually, I have one more question. How have the things that you've been talking about, the, the, the reception for it, have changed because of COVID, because all of a sudden people are like, wait, it's not, uh, it's not so far-fetched. Things do change all of a sudden. There is need. So being like an innovator pre-COVID and post-COVID. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting because I have a, you know, a very fun website, which I'd encourage everyone to, to visit. There's just some fun ideas on there. Um, what is it? Tell, tell, tell people. Realestateofthefuture.co or just Google Nikki Greenberg and you'll, and you'll find it. There you go. And the thing is, there's some ideas on there that are pretty outlandish, but just things that I've been thinking about. And when COVID happened and then, you know, midway through, I kept going back to my website having to be like, well, is this stuff still relevant? And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. I don't need to, I don't need to change anything in there. So, you know, these, these things do hold true. But, you know, one of the things that did happen is that, you know, I am – and I've designed my life this way and it wasn't easy to be able to do it, but, you know, I designed my life to be a digital nomad. You know, I've always worked for, you know, in, you know, very corporate roles. I was, you know, prior to becoming a digital nomad, I was working at a luxury brokerage in Midtown of Manhattan on Park Avenue 
you know, and then I was able to, you know, escape that and, you know, create create my own lifestyle as many, uh, you know, as many millennials do. It took me a while to be able to design my life to be able to do that. So for me, pre-COVID, I did have a workspace downtown in the financial area working from a beautiful convened space because I liked having that separation of, you know, home and work and, you know, that, um, you know, that, that, that was great for me. But most of my days I'd be sitting on Zoom calls anyway, just talking to, um, you know, collaborators in Europe and in Asia and all across the world. So most people that were part of my everyday, I hadn't met. I met them on LinkedIn or as part of, you know, chat groups. And I'd only meet them in person at big conferences and was always the joke of, all, well, how tall are you? <laughs> so, you know, yeah. when, so when COVID hit, for me and for people like me, it's like, oh, well, now, now the rest of the world's kind of caught up to the way that I've been working for a while and they kind of get it. And I do think there's an opportunity to be more global in our approach because now you can access anybody, anywhere. It makes no difference really, you know, which is how I, you know, I'm, I'm, I am based in New York, but I'm back in Australia. I've been back in Australia for six months. And it's had no negative impact to my work anyway because I'm a pure digital nomad. This is kind of where things were heading anyway for a lot of people. And I think more people and more corporations are understanding that, yes, it is possible and you can be 100% virtual location agnostic as long as you don't mind doing some crazy hours now and then, then it's 100% doable. Absolutely. Well, Nikki Greenberg, it's been a pleasure having you. And uh, maybe we'll meet in person and I'll know how tall you are. <laughs> anyway, Nikki, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I look forward to meeting you in person. Thank you. Nikki shared some fascinating insights on the intersection of AI, architecture, sustainable design, and innovation in real estate. It's become clear to us all that the physical spaces we're used to aren't going to be functional long-term. And there have been fundamental changes in our behavior that will require a paradigm shift in the real estate world. As we continue to evolve and innovate across industries, the spaces we occupy will need to grow with us. Hybrid working environments that merge cyberspace with physical space are becoming the norm as people crave more flexible working environments. But industry leaders will need to rethink the way we view design, architecture, and sustainability altogether if they hope to keep up with the changing tides. Nikki, thank you for taking the time to share your point of view. Thanks for listening to Point of View a podcast by Amdocs. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe, and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned for our next episode. We'll see you next time.